Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Racetech. Racetech Gold Valves, basically a revalve in a box. Get yourself some Racetech Gold Valves or just get your suspension serviced by Racetech or get your engines done by Racetech and save some money with Big MX. Mention Big MX Radio and save with Racetech. Same goes for Luxon MX. Amazing hard parts, especially their triple clamps, second to none. Go check them out. Save 10% with Big MX at checkout. Big MX 20 saves you 20% off Guts Racing. Great like great product, great people. Andy Gregg over at Guts Racing, amazing guy. And uh, hopefully you guys, uh, yeah, If you're, if you're, let's be honest. You're in need of a brand new seat cover for your bike heading into this brand new season. So do yourself a favor by saving 20% and entering discount code BIGMX20 at checkout and get yourself a brand new looking seat. Or maybe you just need a whole new seat altogether. Seat base, foam, cover, the whole nine yards. Get that today. Save 20% BIGMX20. You can also save with BIGMX Radio on WSA. Best wheel sets in America, all things wheels, is WUSA. And if you mention Big MX Radio during your purchase, you're going to save some money there as well. SKDA Graphics, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but they are absolutely crushing it on the graphic game, whether it's with the Hep Suzuki guys or the Club MX Yamaha. Uh, they have some of the trickiest looking kits uh, under the sun, and uh, you can be part of that by ordering your next set of, uh, set of graphics from SKDA Graphics. I have been raving about Heartbeat Hot Sauce. First and foremost, they support racing, and they also support the Team Solitaire 250 team on the West Coast, who's getting back in action this weekend in Oakland. And, uh, yeah, I I can't say enough good things about them. Great product. They seem like awesome people. Um, Al and Nancy over at Heartbeat Hot Sauce, awesome people. And, uh, yeah, can't say enough good things about them. Really tasty sauce. Uh, they have a wide range of sauces. Some of them are sweet. Some of them are really spicy. Some of them are right down the middle. Uh, I've been throwing it on meal prep and all kinds of other stuff, breakfasts and, uh, yeah, adds a little bit of extra kick, some extra flavor and I'm enjoying it. So hopefully you guys enjoy this podcast with Spencer Owens. Welcome to the Big MX radio podcast brought to you by Racetech. Racetech Gold Valves, basically a revalve in a box. Racetech Gold Valves offer increased plushness, increased bottoming resistance, as well as more traction. That means you're going to drop your lap times. That means you're going to have more fun when you go to the track. So call up Racetech, and guess what? When you enter discount code BIGMX at checkout, you're also going to save 10% off your purchase. So now you're going faster, and you have more money to spend on going to the track. And uh, maybe get yourself some track snacks on the way. And I don't mean like the, the the young ladies walking around the track. I mean actual snacks, maybe a burger, get yourself some fries, and uh, yeah, do that. And uh, thank our friends over at Racetech for supporting Big MX Radio. Same thing for Luxon MX. They are not just another triple clamp company. They are passionate engineers pushing the status quo. And Luxon MX, it's a California-based company. They do everything in-house, design, millwork, you name it. And they also want you to save some money. Big MX saves 10% at checkout with those guys as well. So use the discount code. Your bike's going to handle better. Again, with the Racetech and the Luxon MX dropping your lap times, you're basically winning championships at this point. But anyway, go help out those companies. And uh, while you're at it, why not throw a brand new set of W wheels on there as well? I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, a guy who I've had on before... 
We It's been too long since we had him on just to discuss all things photography, catch up. But you know what? He's that busy of a guy. This guy just blows me off left, right, and center, either whether it's over text or uh, even uh, at a national because he's just up to his elbows and getting some of the most eye-catching photography within the sport. Spencer Owens, welcome back to the Big MX Radio Podcast. Brad, thank you so much for having me on, man. My apologies for uh, for being so busy. That is what it is, my friend. When you are a highly sought-after photography shutterbug like yourself, that's just the the name of the game. Like it, it took me seven years to be able to get the great Simon Cudby on this on this show. I should probably have him on in the next few months as well. But um, yeah, man, like you you guys are super busy. You're in high demand, and and especially when uh, when people expect you to work for next to nothing. But you yourself are somebody who uh, who has bucked that trend. You uh, you you work hard. You get paid for it, and uh, and that's why. Uh, Publications like Racer X have you come out and uh, and take shots of guys like Tom Vial, and uh, sometimes those photos end up on the front page of a magazine that ends up on a newsstand at your local Barnes and Noble or something like that, and that feeling never gets old. I definitely agree with you. It's been uh, it's been a crazy year for sure, um, especially with you know kind of the world getting back to normal and and you know kind of the people letting fans you know back to races you know the races have been a lot busier and, and a lot uh a lot more stuff to do a lot more things to take care of um but yeah you know work with racer x has been uh something i've been doing now for i think maybe the last uh two years so they keep me they keep me very busy um especially with chris Kiefer doing all of the uh all of the you know bike intros and, and project bike videos and photos and stuff like that for the magazine and um it's been great man obviously i i love what i do as you said in the beginning, you know, I'm, I'm very busy, but you know what? It, it's something I love doing, and uh, I would never never change it for the world. Man, I absolutely love Chris Kiefer. That guy is so funny. He has me in stitches every single week, whether it's just like a one-word tweet or a take that he has on his Instagram story or something like that. Like, the guy is an absolute riot. Uh, if I could go on a road trip with anybody within the motocross industry... Uh, you'd be sitting in the back seat, but I think uh, Chris would be sitting shotgun. Oh, 100%, 100%. Chris is one of the most fun dudes I've ever worked with. We'll be sitting there, you know, after a long day at Glen Helen, like, you know, we'll get there maybe 8 a.m., start shooting, and it's like 2 or 3 in the afternoon, and, and this guy's doing his outro. You know, it's it's usually like 20 to 30 minutes long. Like, I have so much to edit through at the end of the day. Like, like he just talks and talks and talks, and, and he's so knowledgeable about what he's talking about, too, and, and he's been around the industry so long, and uh, he he knows what he's talking about, so it almost makes that you know extra time worth it as far as you know a bike video is concerned because he wants to give the people what they really want to know and and what they should know. And I mean, I have a whole reel on my hard drive of just um, outtakes from him and just you know dumb stuff he'd say and just like banter between him and his buddies. It's it's always a good time for sure. I, I love working with Chris, and uh, I'm really grateful for how much of a friend he is to me as well. Like he's, he's more of a coworker to me. Like he, uh, he's, he's been there for me uh, quite a bit and uh, he's just really such a down to earth guy for sure. And uh, even his son, Aiden and his wife, Heather, they're such an awesome family and they love motocross. So for me, it's like, you know, just, it just works perfectly. 
Yeah, no, you just hit the nail on the head, my friend. Uh, yeah, the Kiefer's good people. And yeah, you could probably make a small fortune off of just publishing five-minute clips of uh, the cutting room floor when it comes to uh, hanging around Kiefer at the track. Uh, I've had the pleasure of being around him at like, a Glen Helen or a Paris or a Cahuilla uh, Creek um, back in the day. And like literally just from afar, like he is just a fucking cartoon character. So like it's... 100%. It's it it is like you can't even make this guy up. I actually have a really funny video to send you uh, as soon as this podcast is up. But uh, tell me a little bit about uh, working with Tom Vial and that particular photo shoot, man. Like obviously him coming over was going to be a big story. Um, like I, I could sometimes I like to sort of like play a little game with myself as to who I think uh, Racer X will put on the cover of their magazine because I still think they're they're still to this day like one of the the, the last really. Uh, powerful written and like uh, like the print media of the sport where they're able to uh, put something out and it's still very iconic and uh, those covers there's only 12 of them every year and to be able to get one is uh, is a really special thing and I, I wasn't surprised to see that they put uh, Tom Vial on there um, and I also wasn't surprised that it was you uh, snapping that photo tell me a little bit about that day and uh, and yeah what it was like working with uh, the two-time champ so honestly, it was an honor to work with Tom. Uh, I love MXGP personally. Um, I love like pretty much all sports across the, the board in Europe. So like MotoGP, you know, Formula One, all that stuff. So um, MXGP is something that I, I try to religiously watch and, and keep up with. And obviously, Tom's a bad dude on a bike. Like he is absolutely gnarly. I mean, I've seen him take so many spills and still get up, take the moto wins, you know, and obviously, you know, he's a two-time champ for a reason. So um, Andrew Fredrickson from Racetrax hit me up. I think it was in... Uh, I think it was in October. Um, Tom had just come over and he was just starting to do some riding on the U S and um, they were like, Hey, you know, we want to put Tom on the cover and uh, we, we would love for you to, you know, to kind of be there to cover his first, uh, his first day on SX. So um, it actually wasn't his first day on Supercross. I believe uh, he was with Alden in Florida the week before or, or something like that. So this was, I think one of his first few times on a Supercross track. Um, it was myself, uh, Racer X is uh, Kellen Brower and uh, Tom Janae. So we all were, were kind of there covering the whole day for, uh, for Racer X. And uh, Tom shows up, honestly, one of the coolest dudes. Um, his English, you know, he's still getting better at his English and whatnot, but he, uh, he was super personable. He really took the time to, to talk to all three of us and, and really kind of get to know us. And he really took the time out of his day of testing to make sure we got what we needed. So um, obviously, you know, Tom interviewed him and, and whatnot for the, for the web, and I was there to, to shoot the photos. So um, his mechanic was also really big on helping us, you know, kind of get what we needed and, and whatnot. So Tom was putting in motos and I was pretty much just shooting him doing the motos. And then, um, I would say about halfway through the day, he, he comes up to me and he's like, Hey, you know, like what else do you need and for me like, as a photographer? Like that's, that's huge, right? Because that's huge. They're there testing, they're there working, you know, they're there, you know, putting in the time. So for him to come up to me and say, Hey, you know, what do you need? Like, how can I help you? You know, it, it makes my job so much easier. So, uh, he threw a couple whips over the uh, finish line double, and ultimately that was the cover. So I was uh, honestly really stoked on on just being there and for the opportunity, really, because like I said, I, I've really admired Tom and his his riding ability for so long. So it was pretty crazy to uh, actually be able to photograph his first ever cover in the U.S. And I'm sure there's going to be many more to come, especially with his you know debut last weekend. He was really on fire, and it was cool like seeing him ride too because he was riding with. Uh, See, Talon Hawkins was there, uh, Barsha was there, and uh, Josh Hansen was there as well, turning in some laps for uh, for Husqvarna. So 
um, to see kind of where he was stacked up with those guys, like it looked like he had been riding SX his whole life. I mean, he, he was hitting the rhythms. He wasn't missing a beat. He was hitting the whoops. Well, uh, which as we know, supercross, you know, whoops are honestly one of the biggest, biggest things. So uh, he looked right at home and obviously to see where he is now, it's, it's really incredible to see how, how fast he's picked up um, the, the supercross style of riding. It truly is uh, amazing to see these guys adapt and actually start to see some some hints of the skill set that he had acquired through the MXGP and see it try and transfer over to Supercross. Um, great to work with him, and yeah, like that must have like uh, it is. It's so unique that a guy from over there would uh, immediately come over and be like, "Hey, like, what else do you need?" Uh, that is probably yeah, like it probably blew your socks off. Not that you were probably wearing any. Um, at the time, like, uh, to, to, yeah, to offer something like that, that's, that's fairly irregular for, uh, for a lot of, not to say that the, the current guys are, are, are not helpful. It's just sort of, sort of like when you're a top superstar in the sport, you've been a star and you've had guys wanting to take your picture since you were probably on 65s. Uh, so I think sometimes the the top level riders are, are just a little bit like, so they're so locked into like going fast and, and getting their laps that, um, they're not always super in tune with, oh yeah, like I, like this guy probably wants to get me a, a sweet shot of like me doing a cross up or something along, along, along those lines, you know, like just kind of get the bars yeah. twisted in the air like Brad does. Um, but, uh, <laughs> like tell me the difference between, um, taking, a, taking pictures of a guy like that's just like putting down motos, like just like basically just doing a 20 lapper or so like what's. Like, what's the difference between shooting somebody who's doing a moto or somebody who is purposely like taking a jump and like, like trying to? He's gonna like do do a whip or do a turn down or like uh, coming into a corner or something like that. Like, is it is there a little bit of a different setup? Is there different places you can stand? Um, how do you approach it differently? So there is a huge difference for sure. Um, so I had to do quite a few shoots um, in my career where. Um, the guys are pretty much just doing motos all day and I just have to, you know, get what I need while they're riding, which is totally understandable, you know, because, you know, from an outsider, you know, I don't want to disrupt their program. I don't want to, you know, make them feel like they didn't get enough out of their day, you know, at the end of the day. So um, when they're just shooting, when they're, sorry, when they're just riding, I try to look for the places on a track, whether it's a supercross track or a motocross track where, you know, maybe their elbows are up a little bit more, maybe the front wheels up. I try to, get a little bit of that natural style that they have. Um, so it also, it's a challenge as well, because especially with a supercross track, cause there's so many different sections on a track where, where a rider can really shine. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll hit some corners, I'll hit some whoops. Um, rhythm sections are always really good, you know, especially when they're kind of on that pop up and their, their shoulders are kind of digging into their bars a little bit more and they're kind of, you know, dropping that front end. Like I, I love shots like that. Um, so that stuff's really cool. But then when you're doing like a team shoot per se, and you know, the company needs a certain whip photo or a certain, you know, corner photo, it's honestly a little bit easier because you can just stand somewhere where you feel like is the best angle. And, uh, you just kind of get them shooting, like get them doing the whip and you just get to, uh, just to shoot them doing that. So it's almost a little bit easier. You kind of get, uh, more consistent images because they're doing the same thing so many times. Um, I like doing it both ways. Obviously it's, it's easier uh, when they know you're taking the picture because then they can, you know, set up for it and, and they just kind of keep going around in a circle until you tell them to stop. Um, but there's definitely a big difference in shooting style uh, for me personally. Um, camera settings, you know, you um, maybe want to shoot a little bit of a higher aperture, especially when they're just doing motos. Uh, so you can guarantee like that sharpness in every shot. 
Whereas when it's staged, you can kind of play around with some things, you know, maybe blur the background out a little bit more. Um, if you have strobes, you know, you, you kind of get that extra little boost of lighting. Um, and that's something that when I've worked with Cudby, like he's really, really taught me a lot of how to, um, how to manage both of them. So um, definitely a big difference, but I, I enjoy doing both. Well, certainly. And I, I can only imagine how many times that you've been laying on your back with your camera facing upwards next to the landing of a triple, uh, getting that <laughs> iconic, like, uh, like I, I honestly, the guy who comes to mind first is actually Marvin Moosecan because I think he's really good at it. Sort of that, like, the turn down, whip, looking down at the camera, foot sort of over the edge of the seat. Um, that has become a very iconic photo. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that's a Cudby thing, is it not? Yes. Yeah, it is. I know exactly what you're talking about. It is. Perfect. So like, and you've worked very closely with, with Simon over the years. Um, like sort of, he's like, and it actually it was really cool when I had him on the show, he actually mentioned working with you and how he'd sort of taken you under his wing a little bit and just uh, how you've developed. And like that, that almost like it totally, not totally unlike when, um, one of those all-star trainers ends up working with an all-star rider. You just see that rider or that photographer just like sort of blossom and, and really take off. And I think that can certainly be said about your career as well. Not to completely just blow a ton of smoke up your ass, but <laughs> like seriously like it, it was really cool for for me to hear him sort of like almost kind of like a proud papa see hear you like him hear him talk about you um really sort of coming into your own and uh, i'm curious as to some some of the like the best sort of advice and some of the things that like when you go to the like you probably you probably still hear his voice uh his elton john voice uh in your head <laughs> as you're uh, heading off to the track uh and for those who don't know uh ricky carmichael still refers um to Simon as Elton. So, yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for the compliment. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, Simon, he th thinks it's weird when I say this, but he's honestly like my second dad for sure. Like I've known him since I was 17 years old. Um, he's, he's been there for me uh, through a lot of, in my career and, and just in life in general. And uh, I'm honored to say he's a really good friend. We've, we've almost known each other for, I think it's been like nine or 10 years now. Like he, um, he's really taught me, I would say everything I know as far as being, professional on a photo shoot and what I need to get on track. Um, and if you don't know, I, I met Simon in, I think it was, what was it? 2000, I think it was 2014, or 2015. I was at San Diego Supercross. It was the first San Diego Supercross at Petco. Um, and I was with some friends just walking around the pits. And at the time I had just started shooting photos. I was just kind of like really getting into it and had a passion for it. Um, and obviously growing up, you know, I, I knew who Simon Cudby was. Like, I've always loved his images on, on Racer X uh, for the galleries, the covers. I, I had his posters, like, on my wall where you'd see, like, you know, photo of Simon Cudby. Um, so, I don't know, I just had this, like, natural instinct to just go up and, and talk to him, which is totally out of character for me because I'm kind of a shy guy sometimes, especially when it comes to putting yourself out there. But um, at the time, like, I just was like, damn, like, I, I really need to go talk to him. Like, I just felt compelled to go say something to him. So, um so I went up and met him and was asking him for honest advice. I showed him a couple photos on my phone that I had. I think it was like of Zach Williams, um, Kyle Partridge. Um, There's another guy's name that I can't come to mind. He used to write for Pro Circuit. Um, Chris Aldridge. So I showed oh, him yeah. like a couple photos I had taken at uh, – yeah. You know, There's good, a but, blast um, from the past. Yeah, dude, for real. And uh, so I showed him some photos. He gave me some advice. Um, and after that, we connected on Facebook. Um, and he had made me the offer, but Hey, I need an assistant. You know, you want to work with me, you work with race Rex as an intern. 
Um, so for there, from there, uh, I followed him on team shoots. We did a lot of stuff with, uh, like answer racing, Troy Lee, um, studio shoots, you know? So I, I kind of got the full range of, of what Simon did within the first year of working with him. Um, biggest advice I'd say he gave me was honestly just about shooting images. Like at the races for sure was, was a big one. Even to this day, like I still uh, hear his voice in, in the back of my head and it's not about the quantity of images. It's about the quality of images. So a lot of times at races, you know, you, you have so many places to go, so many people to shoot, you know, for your different clients and stuff. And it's better to stand in places where you know you're going to get clean photos. So if it's a corner, you know, shoot the corner. If it's whoops, get the whoops. If it's a jump, get the jump. It's not about just running around the track shooting as many photos as you possibly can because chances are, you know, you may only have, you know, 200, 250 photos that you actually like. Where I'd rather come out of a race with 700 photos that I like that I know for sure are sharp and clean um, and good. And that's been something that has always kind of stuck with me. And then also just working with the riders, like he's seeing how he is with guys on the team shoots and how he keeps the guys focused and how he keeps them engaged. Um, even if it's just like the team members has, has been something that um, I always try to look at and, and try to model myself by as far as professionalism goes and um, keeping the right on track is, as you were saying earlier, I mean, riders, sometimes they get a little antsy. So on uh, team shoots, you know, they are spending, you know, an hour shooting a bunch of products and, you know, portraits and stuff like that. As soon as they get on the bike, they're gone. Like they're just doing laps, you know, and you're like, Hey, you know, come over here. Like we're shooting this double today, like right now. So we need you over here. Um, and just kind of the way he, you know, keeps them focused, keeps them on track and engaged is, is also something that has been uh, really, really big in my career. And I think it's helped me out a lot, but he, he gives me advice all the time. I mean, whether it's just as a friend or um, from a professional standpoint, and I, I try to literally, I have a journal, I'll just write everything down that he says. And uh, if I'm ever drawing a blank or, or sometimes get lost, I'll just go back and, and look at the notes and um, it kind of keeps me, it keeps me on track. So. Yeah, well, certainly uh, he has been like Simon Cudby has been herding cats, which are motocross racers for yeah, yeah. the better part of three decades. He's extremely good at it. Um, the funny thing is, is I originally uh, like he, he wasn't even a motocross guy to begin with. Uh, I believe he started uh, photography in cars um, and then and then moved his way over to moto and then has just become so iconic. Like He's almost like a uh, like a. He's almost like a celebrity among the photographers. Like it, it's Simon, right? Like it sounds kind of hilarious to think of, but he's just sort of like with the the success of Racer X sure. because he took so many of those photos. And the funniest thing about that is that like Simon is amazing what he does, but he's also he was one of the only like what, at the very beginning when Davy Coombs was starting Racer X. The reason why Dave, uh, Simon was the the lead photographer is he was probably the only photographer like. Davey probably couldn't afford to hire multiple photographers, so literally the entire the entire magazine, which is also all gorgeous, by the way, was Simon's work. So like immediately yeah. positioned as the guy, and, and then he also just sort of like t- took that role and ran with it. It was really really cool, like kind of partnership uh, between Davey, Eric Johnson, and uh, and Simon Cudby, who uh, yeah would basically go on to to really be kind of, like kind of put motocross. They didn't really put motocross on the map, but they were the ones covering it when motocross, in my opinion, was in its biggest boom. Like that was like that was our explosion, where like the 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 colors were more vibrant. Everything became became more professional looking. It was graphics. It was gear that was like you had the iron-ons and stuff like that. Not that they didn't have that in the '90s and the '80s, but everything just looked so much more polished. And I would honestly argue that 
the like because it rose to that level we have had a hard time beating it ever since like if you look back at like 2002 forward like supercross doesn't look a whole lot different in comparison to like if you go from 02 to 92 or to 82 like it's a huge stark contrast whereas like i think they really just kind of like they they made the sauce just right back then and it's been running ever since Exactly. I, I completely agree with you for sure. And I know Cudby was, um, I believe you touched on it, but he pretty much was like the first, I feel like big photographer, like in the industry, you know, he, he really put the content side of things on the map. And, you know, for me, just looking at it from that, like, just as like a fan, I'm like, wow, like he, he is the guy, you know, like he, he did kind of pave the way for people like me who, who want to create content because they love motocross and, and they just love shooting photography. So um, I think like in the nineties is, is really when it started to get a little bit more hardcore. I, I want to say like mid nineties. Um, I used to work for MXA, um, and I would always be looking through like a bunch of, uh, like little film, like film slides and stuff like that. And it just blows me away to think that even Simon would shoot film, like at a supercross race, not even knowing if he got a good photo, not even really seeing yeah. if it's overexposed or underexposed or, or how it looks like he just, you know, shoots and then would have to go process it the next day. Like, and, you know, he may or may not even, I mean, I'm sure he had probably plenty of, of good photos in there, but still like there's that risk factor of like, damn, like, did I get the shots? Like, is it good? Is it in focus? You know? So, um, and even like today, like cameras are so easy. Like, I mean, I have a camera that literally will focus on whatever I look at with my eyes and I can replay the image right away to see if it, you know, is exactly how I want it. Whereas back then, you know, there's kind of that, that unknown factor of like, damn, did I, did I get the shot or not? So um, I definitely owe it all to him. And even like around the time where I met him was kind of when Instagram was, was getting really big. And, and I know racer X was, I want to say one of the first media publications to really post stuff during the day. So like whoever would win, whoever was the fastest qualifier, you know? So he would literally pull those images off his camera raw, send them to racer X and they'd post them out and, you know, kind of have those race day updates. So, um, he really paved the way for, for media in general, I feel like as far as, um, like posting content. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it people forget that it was like Instagram's first of all Instagram's only been around for like 10 years and yeah. like having fo- photo- having cameras that have like a Wi-Fi setting that you can basically just like upload your photos to your phone and then boom over to it and and not like that's like it's extremely difficult at a place like Millville. It's just basically like Millville might be the moon as far as uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. C- cell service. Uh, hopefully it gets better Loretta's at some point. But it's terrible. Loretta's is a black hole. Yeah, it's that's yeah. where um, cell surface goes to die. Um, but uh, yeah, seriously, dude. Uh, and could you imagine me taking photo? Like you've you've seen me at the track taking photos. You probably just roll your eyes and you're like, "Nice Canon Rebel kid." Um, you could imagine me shooting film at these races. Like I would literally like I I would fly to a race, talk to some racers, and come home with a film full of poop. It would be great. <laughs> I mean, hey, I believe anybody can take a good photo, especially nowadays. Like cameras are so um, so user friendly, especially. And, and I've seen your work, dude. And you definitely uh, definitely shouldn't talk down on yourself. Your stuff is uh, is really awesome. So um, it's crazy. Like even like these moms out here. Like you know, you shoot an amateur race and you see a mom out there with like a Rebel Ti or something like that, and it's like, damn, she's probably getting good photos because that's just kind of how how things are um, now, especially with technology. And which also you know kind of makes it harder for people who want to make money and, and want to be more professional at it just just because you know it, it is so easy to get a good photo i mean you can even get a good photo on your iphone like especially with video now like with the cinematic mode and like portrait mode like you know it, it's so easy for 
for the average person to get, you know, a clean shot. And usually, you know, companies will want to use that because, you know, they don't want to, uh, they don't want to pay for it. So, um, but yeah. Absolutely. And on top of the fact that like, this is the one kind of sad part about what's become with media in general is that so many things have become so disposable. Like, um, the reason why, like when I think of like, say when I think of James Stewart and immediately like the, the Rolodex in my head combs through like eight to 10 photos that to me are absolutely iconic that like the, um, James Stewart doing like the whip, uh, he's scrubbing in at Bud's Creek, uh, his first race back at when he was at, uh, when he was at Millville in the blue, yellow and the, and the white gear in Fox, uh, magenta stuff when he's doing the whip at Anaheim one, his very first supercross, like, like immediately boom those photos come to mind and maybe it's because i was a teenager teenager at the time and probably just obsessed about that those photos but i don't feel like the same can be said about say like jet lawrence like immediately i don't have like like nine photos that come to mind of a guy like jet because his like it's just like it's all about what's next what's next what's next what's next as soon as it's off people's yeah. news feeds it's gone um and for that reason sometimes like the photography or the photos themselves are not as valued as they should be or could be because mm-hmm. yeah they're, they're just not going to be relevant for as long as they like they probably would have been in the past because like, i think about it back in the day like say james stewart's career or at least the first say, four or five years of it a lot of it was the early days of digital. There was maybe like between uh, websites and magazines, there was like a hundred photos of like that were published of James Stewart every year between uh, the mm-hmm. different publications and, and uh, online as well. Whereas today, like this weekend, there's probably going to be about nine Instagram reels, uh, 30 photos uh and whatever else of jet posted just this week and he's not even racing like yeah exactly. you know what i mean exactly exactly i completely agree with you i feel like um moto photography i'd say back in like the early 2000s you know late 90s and even up until the point of you know where instagram uh, was was kind of starting to get big I, I feel like you know when you would see a photo in racer x of like you said james stewart ricky carmichael uh dungy villapoto like it, it meant something you know because you're like wow this is a photo of, of Villapoto hitting a triple at, you know, St. Louis Supercross, like, you know, and, and it, it's the first time you're seeing it, you know, and it's in print and it's, it's there. Like, it's not going anywhere. Like, if you go find that magazine today, it'll still be there. You'll still see it. You'll still be able to admire it. Whereas, like you said, now you go on Instagram, you know, and you can see like 15 photos of Jet Lawrence, probably from every media publication um, from now till, you know, from A1. Like, so it, it's just kind of, it makes it a little it makes it frustrating for me too, just because, you know, there are so many good photos out there across the board. Like there's a ton of good photographers out there right now, um, you know, who really take the time to take good photos and, you know, you only see them for two seconds, you know, shows up on your feed, you like it, that's it. Chances are you may not remember it. You may not even see it again, you know, unless you go on their page, like it it just kind of disappears. So for me, it means so much more, especially to get like a cover, right. Of racer X or even see your, your work printed in an ad or something, because, it'll always be there. You'll always have it. You'll always can go back and look at it. Um, I literally have a, a box in my room of just like every ad that I've ever had, every cover I've ever had, just so I could always go back and look at it and, and be like, damn, like, like this is what I did. Like, this was my work. Like it's, it's here, you know, it's in front of me. It's not on someone's Instagram. It'll disappear. Like it's for me to always go back and, and just kind of remember. So it just makes those things um, a little more special for sure. 
That's unreal, man. I, that actually just reminds me of an idea that I have, and I think we should execute it at some point. And I'm not even worried about telling people on this podcast because I doubt anyone will actually put it into use. Because uh, I literally <laughs> told Anton to do this, and he didn't, um, which means it's either not a very good idea or I'm not in any risk of anyone stealing it from me. But I would love to do like a uh, like a, a verb moto proofs and have like a Instagram account where we post um, like with a, with a, like a, a watermark, some proofs from that particular week, put them up on a website that people can buy a print of that particular photo from week to week. And just like literally pick your best or like three or four special photos from one particular week and, and, and actually sell the photos so people can have them in their man cave because like if I'm looking around my house, my my apartment right now I've got I've got framed pictures for hockey I've got framed pictures for moto I've got pictures for uh, for football but I don't eat, like actually I don't actually have a lot for the only the only ones I have for moto are from like 2006 because there's a local guy who used to go down to the Minneapolis Supercross plus I have some sweet jerseys hanging up on the wall three of them are reproductions by the way and uh, like. I think it would be really cool and I think it would be a viable thing because there's tons of guys like my old man who like they've got they've got some change in their pocket. They've got a man cave that doesn't have, have nearly enough cool stuff on the walls and uh, I don't think it would be that hard to like set up a little website where you set you put up like 10 photos every week, put up a little like uh, make a little Shopify online store where people can either yeah. just buy the print or buy it framed. And then boom, like I, I think that'd be totally a, a cool thing and just like generate some revenue and uh, yeah, just get some like some more hard copies of people of yeah. images for people because yeah, you can like hit like on a photo, but uh, I think it would be cool to uh, give people the opportunity to hold it in their hands. Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. And especially because it gives money back to the company, you know, that, that's putting it out. And nowadays, yeah. you know, people have wallpapers and stuff out there, you know, on, on websites um, and you could just, you know, download the photo for free, you know, put it on your, your iMac or your PC and bam, you know, you have the, you have the wallpaper. So I think it would be cool to actually have that kind of platform where, you know, you're almost giving back to the photographer and, and also giving into the, the publication as well and, and having that print. Um, I do think that's pretty rare though, honestly. I mean, I've thought about doing it, just printing off like some of my favorite photos that I've, that I've taken um, for my little like office situation. But um, I feel like so many people don't really have that kind of opportunity to, to have those for themselves, like for their homes or for their bedrooms, for their offices, like they just get the posters at the races. Really, um, that's pretty much it. So I think that's a great idea. You should uh, you should patent that. I think I should. I think that we're gonna have to put that. Uh, that'll be uh, in my next proposal that I send off to to Wes Williams over at Verb. <laughs> um, yeah, fingers crossed that 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 goes well. Um, tell me about a time you don't have to tell. Actually, I I do want to tell. I want you to tell me who it was because it's gone. Like enough time has oh, gone right. past, and it probably doesn't matter. Um, unless you haven't come across this situation, because I know it's happened in the fast because uh, I think Justin Buckaloo one time, he was injured, so his pictures were Casey Johnson. Um, can you tell me about a time when a rider wore somebody else's gear or you had to Photoshop somebody else's number onto a bike? Um, or it was, it, it was like, it looked like that rider, but he's got like a totally tinted out uh, goggle lens, or you had to do that in post-production uh, because that the rider that you're supposed to be pho photo photographing for a poster was not available for that. <laughs> it's happened. Um, I actually was, I thought about this the other day um, because we came across the situation uh, a couple months ago, but uh, it was really funny. I want to say, 
I'm trying to think of the year it was. Um, so it was when Jesse Nelson uh, was still racing. So I want to believe it was like 20, 2014, maybe. 15, yeah, yeah, it was the, the Red Bull KTM, uh, the Trolley team. Yep. I think it was Shane McElrath was hurt at the time. And uh, Billy Leninovich was a fill-in for him. Um, I don't really think Billy had anything to do with the team. I think they just kind of called in a favor. And yeah, he was, I think he was wearing Troy Lee at the time. Okay, okay, that makes sense. I mean, he was absolutely tossing it, like, for Shane McElrath, like, completely. Like, I mean, and nothing against Shane. Like, Shane, every rider has their own style, right? But, but when Shane throws a whip, it's definitely different from when, you know, Billy throws a whip. So I'm standing there assisting for Simon, right? I'm holding the strobes, and I'm just watching Billy just absolutely just, like, drain plug this thing every single jump. And I'm just like, <laughs> dude, like people are going to know like the people are going to, there's no way like this is freaking Billy and innovate. like, he's got that signature whip. Like I'm pretty sure he has a couple of X games, best whip medals in there somewhere. I, I could be wrong, but um, that was definitely a fun one. And then uh, I think it was the first year uh, TLD was with gas gas, the same thing. So they used uh, Mike Brown uh, for Pierce Brown, but it was again, one of those situations where, you know, that's the opposite of that like situation. Brown. Yeah. He looks nothing like Pierce Brown at all. Um, but dude, I give major props to that guy because um, he had never ridden like the supercross track like at all. So he basically just hops on Pierce's bike, rolls the jump like twice, and then he immediately just starts jumping it for the cameras. So I, I respected Mike for that because I was like, damn, like, like you he know, wasn't he, even much of a supercross guy on 125s. Yeah, exactly. So to see him, you know, hitting on this gas gas 250, I'm just like, damn, dude. Like I, I respect that for sure. Um, I know for sure um, I've shot with um, PC Kawasaki, so the uh, off-road team, and we've had uh, Justin Seeds fill in for uh, Zach Bell. And again, same situation. Zach Bell has that signature style. And He's also five foot zero. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so he, um, but the dude can rip. Like he yeah. absolutely shreds the dirt bike. And so every team should I do with Kawasaki, I always have to throw in just a couple of scrubs just so I can get a couple, uh, a couple of bangers of Zach in there. Um, but in this instance, like, you know, it was Justin Seeds, you know, so off-road guys don't really do that. You know, they don't really whip, they don't really turn down. Uh, they just, you know, pretty much hold it wide and they have to deal with the terrain and it's still gnarly, but they just don't, yeah. you know, really practice whips or practice that kind of thing. So, so I'm shooting, uh, Justin and again, I'm just like, damn, like this, this isn't Zach for sure. Zach's got that unique, uh, unique scrub and there's so yeah, he's many a moto photos. Kid. Yeah. And there's so many photos that I have from Zach in the past where it's just like, I was blown away that he could even go that low or, or do like what he was doing. So there's definitely a, a clear difference there for sure. But um, I'd say those are the ones that, uh, that come to mind at the moment. It's funny. The last time I had uh, Zach on the show and uh, yeah, that extra reminds me that I should probably call him up again in the next little while here is I was at Paris and I'd never met Zach, Zach Bell. And uh, so I'm, I'm getting dressed and I go, Hey, is that the team, like, is he, he was getting, he had his, like, off-road bike there, and I'm like, is that the team that Zach Bell's on? And he's like, you mean me? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you. <laughs> do you want to do a podcast with me? He's like, sure. And, <laughs> yeah, you don't know like, who I am, but yeah, I'm down. Yeah, like, you, you don't even know, yeah, you don't know what I look like, but yeah, sure. Um, I actually did the same thing with Kevin Benoit when, like, the first year I did my podcast, a post-race interview under the K uh, KTM 10, I asked him, like, hey, do you know where uh, Kevin Benoit is? He's like, yeah, I, I'm Kevin Benoit. I'm like, oh, perfect. Do you have time for an interview? <laughs> uh, oh, early days. I was, I was ridiculous. Uh, but I made it. I'm fine. 
Uh, there you go. Hey, you're here now. Tell the man. Yeah, don't yell at me, everyone. Kevin was cool with it. You should be too. Um, but uh, shooting supercross, shooting a supercross race is a whole lot different than going to a practice track. You can actually have a little bit of free reign, and and people trust you to actually know that you're being safe around a dirt bike track. Whereas uh, at a at a supercross race, uh, they assume well, and for rightfully so, guys get hit. Uh, heck knows, uh, Rich Shepard as well as uh, Kristen Slack uh, got got beaned by some dirt bikes in the past but uh what's the difference for you between going to a felled supercross and taking photos from the little green areas you're allowed to stand in versus uh going to a practice track and uh if you wanted to probably lay on the backside of a triple you probably could oh 100 i feel like you know anyway you have to be safe right like you have to uh really plan ahead because the truth is you know we're shooting dirt bikes they're unexpected you know we we can't we don't know where they're going to go at all times the rider could make error in a split second you know you could be uh you know getting hit by a bike so wherever you go always be safe for sure um but there is a little bit more free reign at a practice track right so um you know sometimes like maybe i'll stand you know behind a corner of a whoop section and like shoot if i'm at like ktm track or, or something right. like that whereas at supercross they usually don't allow you to stand on the back side of a corner after a whoop section for obvious reasons so um, Sean Brennan and those guys that fell, they really do a good job about making sure that we're safe and, and we have good areas to stand for, for action as well as uh, safety. Um, so they give us a little track map before every race and we get to see where we can stand, where we can't stand, you know, how we can get to point A to point B. Um, this year, I know for sure, um, my friend Bob Lannon from uh, Moto Playground got hit by Daxa Benick in uh, future Supercross the practice during the day. Uh, I love I, Bob I ran Lannan. over to him make sure he was okay. Yeah, no, he, he's an incredible dude. I, I saw the incident and I was like, damn, like, like, it just goes to show you, like, even if you can stand somewhere, like, it's still, you know, really dangerous. And obviously, it's unexpected. These things happen, um, for sure. And, and Sean does a really good job. Um, but honestly, I prefer, I prefer shooting at a supercross track as opposed to a test track, just because usually the places where you can stand on a supercross track during a race are really sick. So it's like the size of rhythm sections. Uh, maybe you get a, a you know, good triple or something like that from there. Uh, the whoops, you you kind of have to do some unique angles for the whoops because you can't really be head on. Uh, I prefer head on shots. I I tried to push my luck a little bit this year, but it didn't uh, didn't work out too well for me. But um, but yeah, so they they usually they usually give us a good amount of spots we can shoot. Test track though is cool because you can you know stand on the inside of like a double like if you want you know and get like that underside or maybe some like more artsy stuff, uh, especially like in the daytime and whatnot. But um, nonetheless, they're both risky. Pro motocross, I'd say, is probably one of the easiest to shoot. Just because they have certain areas you can't stand, um, especially like if it's in front of a TV camera or you know right. fans or something like that. But uh, there's more free range. It's way more kinda, free, yeah. Yeah, way more free reign. And, and you can also see like different sections from one area, which is cool. Like uh, I'm thinking of Fox Raceway. Like there's this one section um, after the big uh, big step up. Like, you could shoot that, you could shoot that corner, that whole rhythm section, uh, but then you turn around, you know, and you can also shoot this corner, you know, this tabletop, and then, like, the whoop section, you know? So you can kind of get a bunch more shots, like, within one like, within one lap, you know, as opposed to Supercross, sometimes it's a little bit harder. You kind of have to walk around, um, and especially, you know, if you have to get to the podium, you know, if your rider is, you know, winning or something like that, and you have to get a certain shot, you kind of have to run around a little bit more. Um, Mike Emery, I helped him out at some of the races this year, um and it was literally that like it was hectic so i would you know shoot a section real quick and then within six minutes you know, i had to run over to the finish line and then grab that shot you know so it's, it's a little bit 
it's a little bit harder to get around, but um, like I said, everything is pretty much everything is fun to shoot. Like I'll shoot anywhere, supercross track, test track, outdoor track. Just give, give me the opportunity, and I'll be there. So absolutely, and then yeah, throw throw in uh, standing on the knuckle of a super of a freestyle jump in there as well, and uh, yeah, that just about covers it for uh, all the experiences a motocross photographer can have. I thought it was really funny. One time uh, I was at Millville, I think this was 2016, and I was standing in, like right next, like between the sand whoops because it was really cool because I, I could get like I could get both sides as they were coming through. Uh, and then I felt my phone buzz and it was a text from Davey Coombe saying, are you in the sand whoops right now? And I said, yes. He's like, get off the television. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> I apologize. That's awesome. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, That's clearly so awesome. he... It was really, really funny, and yeah, I, then, but I did get some sweet photos, and then I, I scurried away. Uh, but yeah, I, I love shooting nationals. I, I, have you been to a lot of them? I don't know if I like. I think you go to quite a few, and obviously you've been to like. I think you've been to Hangtown and and uh, Fox Raceway, obviously. But have you have you been to a lot of the other nationals? So I have not. Um, I have Bummer. been to Red Blood MX. Uh, it was for a KTM intro last year, so that was my first. Okay. Uh, national track really outside of, of California. I haven't really had the opportunity to, to travel too far as far as like races are concerned. Um, I've been to Loretta's, so that was that was a fun one. I've been to Freestone um, and stuff like that. But um, as far as national tracks, I mean, I would love, love to shoot the nationals this year for sure. I, I know I'm always bugging Mike. I'm like, hey, if you guys ever need a, you know another shooter, let me know. Like, I want to go. Because like, I want to experience all the different tracks. And it's so different, too, like from a, a photography standpoint. You know, California and Michigan, they look totally different, right? Like, there's so much greenery. You don't Michigan, say. There's a lot of trees. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of lighting, you know, a lot of lighting changes and stuff like that. A lot of backlit spots, you know, from, like, kind of the way that the sun will, like, glow through the trees and, and whatnot. Whereas California, the tracks are just more right in the dead sun. You know, there's not many, you know, uh, I guess, green. There's not much greenery around, like, unless it rains a lot, like, during Supercross season. Um, but come outdoors, everything is dry, and I love Fox Raceway to death. Like it's obviously, I consider it my local track. But um, for a national dude, like the lighting is sometimes so harsh, just because of the way the mountains are are so brown and so like just gray and, and washed out. And then you know, add in the you know 12 p.m. heat, it just it just doesn't really look that good, you know. So as a photographer, I want to go to more East Coast tracks just so I can have that diversity in, in my images because I, I love greenery. I love you know. I loved Redbud. It was absolutely insane. Like my brother got to go with me, and so we were both kind of just walking around the full facility, just like, damn, like we wish we could shoot this kind of track more often, just because we're not used to it, you know. Um, Loretta's was really cool too, because it's kind of in like that that little hole with like all those trees around. So the lighting is good all day, um, especially if it's cloudy. You know, you get a little bit more vibrancy in your photos, so the green pops a little bit more, uh, the dirt just a little bit more of that rich, rich brown, which I really love. Um, and you just get so uh, you get so over California. Like I know Chris and I, we shoot Glen Helen all the time, and I, I always give him crap for it. Like damn, like we're at Glen Helen again. Like we're doing this, and it just it looks the same constantly. So uh, I'd love to have more diversity in my uh, in my hard drive for sure. Yeah, we got to get you out to more races, man. And like, okay, I put some serious miles on my boots. In fact, that's why I had to replace them after uh, going to Redbud. Uh, after Motocross's Nations, also uh, they were taking on water because I've been to so I've been putting so much miles on those boots. But um, let's talk about how much of a good dude. I don't want to just like be on here and like, yeah, we bl- blow you, blow Simon, and then now Mike Emery. But like. Uh, 
I will like there's some really great like some some great dudes in the photography tent. Um Brown Dog's one of them. Uh but I, if I had to hand out an award for all around good dude, always like like in a good mood, hard working and like just like has no problem taking a photo of me while I'm like just being a goof with my camera um out there in the rain, it's Mike Emery. Like Mike Emery, I got time 100%. for Mike Emery 10 days out of the week. Is awesome dude. Yeah. Mike is an amazing dude, and, and like you said, he works so hard, especially because he has a lot of the major contracts in the industry, right? So, you know, we shoot, we shot for a lot of like the OEM brands, um, plus you know, a plethora of different companies as well. And I mean, the dude will get there 8 a.m. ready to shoot, and he's just working all day. I mean, when I shot San Diego with him, we didn't leave the stadium until you know 4:30 a.m. Sunday morning, essentially. Like, we stayed there late editing the images, making sure the team got everything, you know. And there's so much more um, to do as opposed to just like going out there and, and shooting photos and editing them. Like there's a lot of organizing that has to go into everything afterwards and color coding things and, and making sure each company gets a different image, you know, even if it is the same corner, you know? Um, so he works super hard. Plus he keeps it lighthearted. I mean, when we were there working until four thirty in the morning, like we were laughing constantly. He was making jokes. Like he's super friendly with everybody. Um, I feel like nobody has anything bad to say about Mike Emery. He's, he's such a good dude. I've known him uh, from when he was doing his stuff at Transworld, so I would always, you know, bump into him. And even then, like, he was just still a, a really good, friendly dude. Loves his family, loves what he does. And, and I admire the fact that he can get creative images throughout the day. And for me, like, I'm still kind of working on that. Like, it's, it's hard, you know, because you have so much on your mind and so many different places to be. But for him, he always makes sure to stay true to himself, stays true to who he is. And he always comes out with just these artistic images that I'm just like, damn, like how, like how did you even think of that? Like that was such a good spot. Like why didn't I think of that? You know what I mean? So I, I definitely give the award to Mike Emery and uh, Rich Shepard. I, I really miss him. He couldn't be at the races this year, um, but he's literally the same way. Hard worker, friendly dude. Everybody loves him in the pits. Um, people were always asking about him. You know, like oh, like where's Rich? You know, how's Rich doing? Um, so yeah, big props to the Align Media guys. They they work so hard, and uh, I've been very grateful to help them out quite a few times. So uh, definitely, Mike Emery, I think gets that award for sure. Absolutely, man. No good, good, good people. So, um, what's on the the docket for you going forward? Uh, who are you working with? Uh, what sort of things would you like to be uh, achieving and uh, getting your stuff out there throughout uh, the rest of 2023? So as an artist, you know, I, I always want more. Um, I'm really hard on myself. I'm, I'm kind of my own worst enemy uh, when it comes to um, wanting to be further further than I am. But I know for sure I have so many good companies that I work for, and I, I get to do so many cool things. And for that, like, I, I am super grateful. Um, I've been working with Align. Um, hopefully I do a little bit more with them, uh, whether it's the Supercross season or outdoor season, um, shooting a little bit more. Um, I'm working with RacerX. You can always find my work on racerxonline.com uh, or in the magazines. Uh, working with Chris Kiefer, maybe hitting the test tracks, you know, with some of the guys, um, you know, testing and stuff like that. Um, it's actually pretty cool. Um, I was hit up by Wes Williams the other day. Uh, I do some with Verb, so I'm going to be uh, working with Verb a little bit um, on some West Coast things and, and kind of getting my work out there, uh, which we were talking, you know, before before the podcast. Like, Verb has always been, you know, I think one of the, one of the raddest publications out there when it comes to, you know, amateur content and, and keeping up with, you know, some of the up and coming kids, you know, who may not be on factory bikes, you know, who may not have as many sponsors as, uh, you know, a Drew Adams or a Daxton Bennett. But 
um, you know, kind of being able to get that their stories out there and, and highlight them, I, I think is, is going to be really cool. So I'm, I'm really stoked for that opportunity. Um, obviously, you know, I have my clients that I work for uh, throughout the year. Um, you know, come springtime, there's probably going to be quite a lot of gear photo shoots. Um, there's always new bikes to shoot with Racer X because, as you know, I mean, there's never a shortage of, of new models coming out. There's always bikes coming out. I feel like every every single month that we have to shoot, especially with Chris. So, um, so yeah, just keeping doing that. And I, and I also try to uh, do some stuff outside of the industry. So um, I like to work in the wineries a lot. Luckily, where I'm at in California, I'm, I'm kind of centrally located by a lot of you know local businesses and a lot of a lot of wineries and stuff. So I try to you know, take some time out of my, out of my week to branch out and do some different things. Um, I got a couple of weddings coming up here, um, in the, over the summer. So that'll be cool. Um, but yeah, man, obviously I, I want to be further, right? So, um, I want to be at a level where, you know, Simon is, and I know for sure I'm still young, you know, I'm, I'm 26, but I got a long way to go, but Hey, I'm just going to keep grinding, keep my head down and, uh, keep my goals in mind and, uh, just, just, uh, keep enjoying every single moment. You keep working at it, my friend, and you will one day probably rise. You will rise to the level of a Mike Emery who spent the Friday, I believe, shooting Cameron McAdoo's uh, wedding and then getting on a red eye flight to go shoot motocrosses nations and then be in that press tent with next to no Wi Fi until two o'clock. <laughs> yeah, that's red bud for you. It's just it's in one of those pits, you know, like. No Wi-Fi completely, which I think is, I mean, especially for what we do, it, it's kind of hard, you know, because we have to send images throughout the day. So I can only imagine uh, the uh, the kind of time Mike was having during uh, during Redbud with so many people, so many Euro fans. Like, I was so bummed I didn't get to go. Um, I had another shoot that weekend, but um, but yeah, Redbud, Redbud, that's uh, that's a Wi-Fi sucker. Yeah, it is what it is, my friend. But um, hey, this has been so much fun. Damn near an hour of us uh, talking photography and everything else in between. Uh, let's get back together a little bit more, a little bit sooner than uh, than we have in the past. I think the last time we had you on, I, I know I was recording in this uh, apartment, but I know that the configuration of my office was different because of my photographic memory being different from what i'm currently looking at so uh that tells me it's been too long and uh yeah i think we we do uh yeah chat again sometime soon talk uh do some moto analysis talk photography and maybe even dive a little bit into the technical side of things on uh, like what sort of cameras you use uh the lenses that you use because obviously like camera bodies are important but lenses are even more important uh when it comes to capturing really cool photos even though i would argue that uh, I, I capture pretty cool photos with my uh with my canon rebel but uh yeah we'll, we'll get into let's save some of that conversation for the next time we have you on the show when uh when probably both of us are wearing uh verb moto hats 100 sounds like we'll be working a little bit closely together so i'm i'm uh, stoked dude you're a good guy keep up the grind i love your show We've had some great guests on there, and uh, yeah, just uh, just keep pushing. I'm stoked to talk to you again. Great guests, and you're one of them. Have yourself have yourself a great rest of your day, my friend. Uh, don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, let's cut it off right there. Sounds good. Thank you so much.